Again, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish, a professor of communication studies at the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So in our last episode, I was reviewing the major communication competencies of effective leadership. And in this episode, I want to take a step further out, a slightly broader perspective on effective leadership and tie it to other forms of embodied communication, so interpersonal communication, small group communication, public speaking. Um, And I want to talk about a kind of achieving a kind of balance between two kind of central values in all embodied forms of communication and what work they can do. And in a way, this is comparable to um, when I teach writing, I always tell my students that in writing, you want all of your work to be driven by, on the one hand, clarity and precision, and on the other hand, beauty and eloquence. If you can combine clarity and precision with beauty and eloquence, your writing can be really effective. So in today's episode, I want to talk about a balance between uh, two values that work in embodied settings when, when they're kind of combined in the way that in writing we combine beauty and eloquence and clarity and precision. Um, and those values are warmth and directness. And in some ways, these values are somewhat opposite. And what becomes incredibly important in embodied communication settings is achieving a balance or some sort of harmony between directness and warmth in order to, to, to amplify or improve or uh, control the effect that you have on, on others. So, um, In the last episode, we were talking about leadership requiring relational communication practices and functional communication practices at the same time, and that effective leadership really amounted to balancing those two sets of practices. I think the clearest way to see this is in the balance between warmth and directness. A lot of of good functional communication practices require a degree of directness on the part of a leader or anyone else. So being directly transparent about your reason for doing X or Y, being direct about what you expect from your students or from your employees or from the people that you work with, being direct in the kind of feedback that you offer someone. So if someone's not doing a very good job, directly telling them why they're not doing a very good job, or if someone is doing a very good job, directly tell them why they're they're succeeding in, in that way. So directness is a kind of, uh, I'll call it in this episode of virtue, that drives effective functional communication practices. But there's a problem. Um, So sometimes leaders are overly direct and that directness can come across as harsh or as cold or as intimidating. Uh, It can be disheartening sometimes. It can feel, um, in in the episode where I talked about assertion, is assertion the best method of persuasion? You know, it's sort of like it can feel like someone's hammering at you over and over and over again, trying to make assertion after assertion after assertion in a direct sort of fashion. So leadership that's founded only on directness uh, may work for a while or for a little bit, um, but it's out of balance because it doesn't take into consideration the important relational communication practices. So in the last episode, when we talked about those relational communication practices, 
really they were governed by the virtue of warmth or the value of warmth, or they were driven by the value of warmth. Um, here, warmth is a kind of stand-in for uh, the feeling of closeness one gets when one feels interpersonally connected to or bonded with another person, whether that person is a leader or, or not a leader. Um, warm people, you, you, we want to be around warm people. Um, warm people make us feel uh, better, they make us feel welcomed, they make us feel included, um, etc. So some people get into leadership positions because they're really good at being warm. They're, they're really good at mastering those relational communication competencies. Uh, and that kind of warmth makes people feel close to them. But if you're overly warm and not direct, then stuff doesn't get done. Uh, people can be suspicious of, of your motives if you're just warm without telling them clearly and transparently what's going on, uh, why you're doing things, what you want from them, uh, then that has its own dangers. And I think, so in, in the way I teach this at least, is that this kind of combination of directness and warmth, when they're in, when, it, when a leader or anyone in any interpersonal or small group or public speaking setting is able to effectively and harmoniously combine warmth with directness, they achieve a much better effect on an audience. And so this really isn't, and I'm starting by talking about leadership because in the last episode we were talking about leadership, but this really isn't just about leadership. In interpersonal relationships, this works equally as well. Being direct and clear with our partner about what we want, what we expect, what we need is incredibly important. But doing it without any degree of warmth expressed in the tone or the way in which we do that will just come across as hostile or um, will create distance instead of, of closeness. So just being warm all the time though, just being a warm person and being engaging and well-connected to your partner without ever directly or clearly stating what it is you want, need, or um, are most interested in from, from your partner will also not work, will we'll have its own kind of um, kind of pitfalls. Um, so, I, and when I'm talking about this balance, I'm reminded of Aristotle who wrote both the rhetoric and, uh, you know, Aristotle wrote a, a lot of um, insightful things 2,500 years ago. And his conception of ethics was virtue ethics. And virtue ethics was really based on, on a human's ability to balance extremes. So it, it wasn't, it's not always a good idea to kind of rush headlong into battle. Like you could be brave and stupid. So, so if you're just always rushing out to challenge something, that's a kind of bravery, but it's not really a virtue because sometimes bravery can just get you killed. On the other hand, you know, it's not very good to be overly cautious. You can't always sit back and like not rush into things. Um, overly cautious will will mean you miss out on some opportunities or, or some advantages. So you have to find a kind of middle ground between those two things. So Aristotle was in, in, in a kind of as a budding psychologist and a budding and one of the first rhetorical theorists and someone who was interested in uh, in persuasion. Aristotle was attuned to this sense that people could master these kinds of balances between extremes. And when they mastered a balance between these extremes, what you had was someone that was trustworthy. So 
audiences saw in the person that was balanced between extremes, a person who could be trusted to make good decisions. And I think whether you're in a leadership position or just in an interpersonal relationship or in a small group setting or a public speaking setting, the ability to display a balance between warmth and directness leads to trust. So in an earlier episode, I was saying I was saying that transparency produces trust, and I think that that's absolutely true and remains remains the case. But uh, another way of of producing trust is through balancing warmth with directness. So uh, let me try and, and think more concretely or talk through more concretely what this might mean or what this might look like. Uh, so my youngest son right now plays an awful lot of basketball, which I love dearly. I played basketball my whole life. It's my favorite sport. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm gleeful that he wants to play basketball all the time. And, um, he's only 11 though. So he's not great yet. He's getting better. He's got some decent skills. Um, when we practice, he'll ask me, um, you know, okay, is this the right thing to do? How am I doing with this? Now, I think that it would be really bad parenting for me to just say, oh, that was great when I thought it stunk. So if he does something that's not very good, and lately we've been working on trying to, to hit left-handed layups. So he's right-handed, left-handed layups are quite hard. So he's trying to do left-handed layups. And the first few he do does are, are obviously awkward. They're, it's uncomfortable, it's odd to do something with your left hand. So he's like, how am I doing? Now, I have a choice in this interpersonal interaction. I can choose directness, I can choose warmth, or I could choose the balance directness and warmth. So if I just choose warmth, I can be encouraging and say, oh, you're doing great. I really love the fact that you're trying. You're, I'm so proud of you for trying, okay? <laughs> warmth, relational communication process. I can choose directness. I can say, okay, that stinks. Your elbow is flailing out. The ball is falling out of your hand. It looks awkward. You're, you're, it's not going in the basket. None of these are good attributes. You're, you're doing it poorly. So that happens to be true. I, I mean, it's accurate and it's direct. He's not doing a very good job at, at X. And so um, like, I, I guess I live in a moment where the parenting fad is to be overtly um, encouraging and warm to your kids. Um, I had the opposite when I was a kid. I, I had parents that were <laughs> un, un, unbalanced in the in the direction of, of or in the area of directness. So they were just really, really clear and not warm with me. But ideally, with any parenting interaction like that, any interpersonal interaction like that, I want to figure out how to respond by being direct about the, the limitations of what's going on, but warm and encouraging at the same time. So can I say something like, you know, I love the fact that you're trying, you're really improving a lot, but this is, is not very good. Uh, the, this one thing that you're doing is, is not great and is a problem. So it, that kind of stinks, but I want to, to try and help you keep learning this so that you can improve in the long run. So I can seek out the kind of balanced communicative interaction by being both direct and warm at the same, at the same time. This gets much more complicated, for example, in a group setting. Um, or in a kind of professional um, small group decision-making uh, environment. So if I'm leading a meeting of 20, 22 people and someone says something that I really disagree with or I really don't like, I have a tricky uh, problem. 
And I can just say openly, if someone says X, I can say, I don't think X is true. Like, I, I don't like that very much. That's not a very good way to, to look at this. So if I directly respond with the way I'm authentically feeling or what I authentically think about the situation, that can have quite an alienating effect. And it could put the other person in the meeting who's been publicly called out as uh, advancing a position that, that other people don't like with, don't like very much. It could put that person on the defensive. And all of a sudden I can have a situation whereby there's there's some conflict, there's discomfort in the room. So, or I can just not bother being directly confrontational or directly challenging what's being said. I can just say, oh, you know, thank you very much for your contribution. I really appreciate it. And hide the fact that I think the contribution is nonsense or, or troublesome. Um, or again, my third choice would be to figure out how to respond effectively in a way that I could be direct about what I see as the limitations or the problems with what was, what's been said and express that in such a way that warmth is felt uh, in the room and by the person I'm directly challenging um, so that some sort of relationality is, is maintained. So the reason this is so important is what I, I guess I kind of gave it away with that last word. If we remember that communication is about the effect that we have and not, not the transmission of information, and if we remember that that one of the outcomes of a communicate of communicative acts are to form relationships, and what we most want is forming positive relationships, it's true that we also want to articulate positions or claims or persuade people of claims. It's true that we also want to share information. I don't mean to say that information sharing isn't an important component of the communicative process, um, but what the values of balance, the value of balancing warmth and directness is that it allows you or, or allows a person the opportunity to maintain a degree, a, a kind of relationship while at the same time sharing or information or advancing a claim. Um, and it can keep the project, the functional project of advocating for positions and the, and the relational project of maintaining, uh, um, building relationships, it can keep those two projects in harmony. And what the, the really important thing here is that if we keep those two things in harmony, the relationships we build are actually stronger and we're better off or better able to advance the positions or the claims that we want to advance. We're actually more persuasive uh, because at some point in, in some episode, I must have said, you know, first you connect, then you convince. It's a kind of article of persuasive truth in, in communicative practice. If you're not, if you don't have any connection with the person you're trying to persuade, it's you're making it harder to persuade that person. So, um, advancing our claim is actually easier in the context of felt warmth and relationality. Felt warmth is actually more easily achieved if you can trust that the person is being direct and clear and transparent with you. If you only feel this kind of um, uh, vacuous sort of warmth you start to distrust the person's real intentions and, and you're not really sure about what they actually think about what's going on. Um, and I don't think I'm the greatest parent in the world. Uh, if anything, my the, and for me, balance is always in the, in, in, in the area of directness rather than warmth. Uh, my students often complain about this in my course evaluations at the end of the semester. They're like, well, why do you have to be so harsh? Why do you have to be so blunt? Uh, and I'm trying because I'm trying very hard to be direct with them. And I self-consciously think about whether and how I can balance that with warmth. And it doesn't always work. So I fail in the, in the direction of directness. Um, 
other people fail in the opposite direction. They fail in the direction of, of warmth. And I've been in lots of situations with people uh, who have, uh, who are in positions higher up, I'll put it like this, in positions higher up than I am in the landscape of the university. Um, and they are warm people. They're kind. They listen. Uh, they ask. They engage. They support. Um, but I don't know what the heck they're thinking or what's going on. Or And they're not open and transparent with their, and they're not direct with their reasons. Um, and that's very, very frustrating to me. Um, so this culturally kind of is a kind of cultural battle for me. Also, uh, I live in Ontario and I'm not from Ontario. I'm from New York. And when I think about New Yorkers, I think about a group of very direct people. And um, I am like that too, as my, my friends growing up were like that. My parents were somewhat like that. Uh, so direct people can often be thought of as, as unfriendly. And I never understood that because the direct people that I spent time around were also very warm because they were my friends. They were direct and warm at the same at the same time. I find Ontarians to be oddly not very direct at all, very, very friendly, but they lack a degree of directness. So I often I'm often suspicious of that or not trusting of it. And we think that you know, just politeness will manufacture trust, but actually it, it won't. Uh, we manufacture trust through the combination of warmth and directness, not through simple acts of kindness, of politeness. I shouldn't say kindness, it's politeness. So Ontarians are very, very, very polite people. Um, but I don't find that politeness translates into trust because it 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 happens in the, in the absence of, of directness. Um, so when I think myself of the people who are the best leaders, the people who I most enjoy working in groups with, and the people with whom I have the best interpersonal relationships, I think always of people that have been able to balance directness and, and warmth somehow. And it's true that even those people have tendencies to go more one way than the other sometimes and get out of balance. Um, but they have correctives for that and they move back in the other direction or they're capable of moving back in the other direction for, for a moment in time. Um, I think it's important that all of us, if so, if you're listening, uh, you should ask yourself, do I lean in the direction of warmth or do I lean in the direction of directness? Uh, if I'm in a situation like I was with my son playing basketball the other day, am I choosing warmth? Am I choosing directness? Or am I choosing a path whereby I could balance warmth and directness? How, if I'm choosing warmth more often than directness, how can I capture some more directness and, and include it into my normal embodied communicative practices? If I move too much in the direction of directness, how can I choose to incorporate a greater degree of warmth in my communicative interactions? Uh, all of these are questions around how am I able, how am I best able to balance directness and, and warmth? Um, I think if you do balance being direct and being warm at the same time, uh, then you will be incredibly impactful, uh, both in terms of persuading others of the claims you're advancing and building relationships with those people. So both your relationships and your ability to be persuasive are improved by the balance between warmth and directness. And that balance between warmth and directness obviously is intentionally following up on the balance between effective relational communication and effective co functional communication practices for leaders. 
Um, but I think that balancing warmth and directness works in all forms of embodied communication, from the interpersonal to small group to public speaking. Uh, I think Al Gore, I am constantly fixated on poor Al Gore, who should have been president, and maybe we'd be living in a different moment in time if Al Gore actually became president. But Al Gore was really kind of direct and clear, had no warmth whatsoever. Uh, Bill Clinton, very warm. And so it struck people as the kind of, uh, a kind of dissonance when Al Gore ran for president. Um, ironically, or not ironically isn't the right word, but oddly enough, I do think uh, Donald Trump comes across as direct, obviously, but to certain people, he comes across as warm. You know, he's always trying to, oh, I love, I love this, or I love the people of, of Texas or whatever the great people. He tries to express that warmth. And he actually does uh, stylistically, uh, uh, he's at least pushing, he knows that he can't just be directly blunt all the time. The media kind of fixates on that directness and they kind of miss some of the, more, the other attempts at warmth. Um, but he does it, like he tries to, he tries to balance them. And I think it actually works for 35% of the American population effectively. Um, okay, so uh, like one practice I have my, my students do after we talk through this is that I ask them to, uh, to think about how they might approach a communicative situation in such a way that they're balancing warmth and directness and how, uh, and I ask them to kind of record in a journal uh, what the effect of if they were able to achieve a balance between warmth and directness and then what effect that had. And oftentimes the effect is to produce trust or to get them what they wanted to build a, a better relationship. Okay, so that's it for episode 63. Thanks everyone for watching and uh, I'll be back soon with another episode on communication skills.